One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One Aslan ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass. The wheel of time turns and ages Welcome to the Books from Earth podcast. Now you will relive your favorite science fiction, fantasy, and apocalyptic literature. If you haven't read the book covered by this episode, do know that there will be lots of spoilers. Enjoy this story again with us, the Books from Earth podcast. Time to relive a favorite book. Welcome to the Books from Earth podcast, episode 11, featuring James Ilsington's epic high fantasy novel, The Shadow of What Was Lost. World-building fantasy spun delicately and abruptly. From the likes of Wheel of Time, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and dare I say, from the master Tolkien himself. And yet original and unique. We want more. Today, we relive the shadow of what was lost with episode 11 of Books from Earth. I'm Josh, and I'm joined by my fellow Books from Earth podcasters, Lou. Hello, guys. Maureen. Hey, everyone. And Jack. Greetings. All right. First, let's go back and visit what this book was about. In order to know what this book is about, we have to take a little bit of a journey into the past. Throughout the novel, we learn about this past that existed. And some of the key points from it are that there is a boundary that was put up many thousands of years ago. The purpose of this boundary was to keep our kind David on one side of the boundary and all the other people on the other side of the boundary. Arkan David's side of the boundary is the land of Talangol. It's sort of a wasteland, cold wasteland type place. And the other side of the boundary is Andara. Andara, Andara where our characters are from and where most of the all of this story takes place. We learned that there was some big war, that this boundary was put up, and that Archon David was basically imprisoned on one side of the boundary, and that the Andarans could now live free from his armies of monsters and his influence being on the good side of the boundary. We also learned that a race of humans or type of human called augurs grew up around this time after the boundary, around the time that the boundary is erected, and they use a power called Khan. That's their magic. It allows them to do all kinds of things. It's, as far as we know, the most powerful magic in the land. The augurs also govern Andara for quite a long time. And sort of underneath the augurs were the gifted, and those the gifted are people who can manipulate a magic called essence, which is slightly inferior to what the augurs can do with the energy of Khan. So that was the governing hierarchy in Andara for a long time. Then we come to the present day of our of the world of the story, and it's not quite a whole lifetime after the augurs were overthrown and the gifted have kind of become shackled by these tenets that prevent them from practicing their magic as freely as they would like to. What happened was the augurs were turned out to be imperfect rulers or making mistakes anyway, and the people overthrew them. 
and the augurs were destroyed or sent into exile and basically outlawed. And one of the leading people who led that rebellion against the augurs was Duke Elotian Andras, who is a central character in the story. Anyway, the augurs are exiled, the gifted are shackled in basically these tenants, and they can't practice magic like they used to. And a new group of people called the administrators uh, become sort of the police of the land, of the Andara land, and they make sure that the gifted don't violate the treaty to to no longer use magic. Any gifted who violated the treaty and used magic against the tenants was forced to become a shadow. Um, All their magic was stripped from them, as far as we know, but we're not quite sure, as we learn in the story. And these shadows are sort of exiles, in a way. And they're grossly disfigured when they become a shadow, so it's bad luck for them. Our main character, or one of them anyway, Davian, is in one of the schools that teaches magic. Tol Athian is one of the magic hubs in Andara, and it has a school called Caladel. And Davian is nervous because he has to pass his trial very soon. And if he fails to pass his trial, he may be rendered to becoming a shadow, which would be horrific for him. He knows he has the magic ability, but unlike his other friends at the school of Caladel, he has trouble wielding the magic. He has two close friends. One is Wurr, and the other is Asha. As the trials approach... Davian is encouraged by one of the elders to leave the school immediately and go on a special mission. And he's given a bronze box. And he is told to go north and that the bronze box would basically guide him to where he needed to go and he would know what to do when he got there. To Wurr's good luck, he he pairs up with Davian and leaves with Davian. Just after they leave, Caladel, the school, is attacked by some kind of unknown force and monster and kills everyone in the school except for Asha. We find out that the elder who convinced Davion to leave, uh, his name is Ilseth, is kind of a nasty guy, and he turns Asha into a shadow using a special kind of tool. So Davion and Wurr head north, and they have their own adventures along the way. We start to learn that there's someone called Talcomar, and we're not sure who that is, but nevertheless, this name comes onto our radar. The boys pass into the country of Desriel, which is part of Andara, where the gifted are hunted aggressively and usually killed immediately if they are found. They end up uh, following the bronze box, which takes them to a prisoner who had been captured by the gifted police of Desriel as Caden is being gifted and accused of murder. They rescue Caden. Caden helps them defeat some kind of crazy shadow creature called a Shateth. That's what's happening with the boys, and we flip back to what's going on to Asha. She's actually taken out of the school Caladel, which, as we just heard, was completely erased off the map pretty much. And she's going to Ilan Alan, which is where the king of Andara lives. And she finds out that um, she is going to – that she's a shadow, and she's going to serve with a bunch of shadows who help tell Atheon Hub uh, do things around the school. And she meets someone called Skyner, who's in charge of a bunch of shadows who live in underground area and do their kind of their own thing against the administrators, et cetera, et cetera. 
Duke Andras Elosian finds out about Asha, and he uses his power as head of the administrators to get her assigned to the palace. So she leaves Tol Atheon and goes to the palace, where she's kind of let into the inner circle of magic that's happening there, because it just so happens there are some augurs, three young augurs named Cole, Fessy, and Aaron, who live in the palace, and she gets let into the inner circle, which includes Elosian, the three augurs, and herself and a couple others, and they are trying to figure out what to do with Andara and all its factions and the fact that it, there appears to be some kind of army coming from the boundary marching on them. Davian and Wurr and Caden meet a guy named Tarasar who's a gifted and older and apparently quite capable and knowledgeable, and he seems to know what to do, and what they need to do is run for it and try to get Caden back to Tolathian because Caden has memories that Caden doesn't know about, and for some reason, terrorists think these memories are the answer to defeating this new army that's crossed the boundary. They have to enlist the help of Princess Caroline Andras, who turns out to be Wurr's cousin, and we find out that Wurr is not just an ordinary gifted guy, he's actually Duke Elosian Andras's son and royalty. And when Duke Andras passes away, Wurr will inherit the ability to change the magical tenets that inhibit the gifted from practicing their magic freely. On the way to try to get back to Tol Athian and Ilan Alan, this gang of folks has to pass through the haunted city of Delanus, where a bunch of stuff happens, including Davian getting sucked into some kind of void back into time where he gets trained in his magic ability and he finds out that he's an auger and he finds out a bunch of other things and he stays there for a little while and eventually he spit back out into present day to try to go help his friends in Ilan Ilan defeat the army. Asha and her exploits around the palace learns that the shadows can control vessels. Vessels are magical items that have been infused with essence, and as it turns out, shadows have the ability to use magical items, which upgrades them from sort of being librarian assistants and kitchen helpers to potentials in the army that is going to try to stop the and defend Ilan Ilan from this mysterious army that's crossed through the border. We learned this mysterious army that's crossed the border is called the Blind. The Blind are called the Blind, not because they're blind, but because they wear helmets and you can't see their eyes, so it seems like they must be blind. But they're actually incredibly effective warriors, faster than ordinary humans, and they wear armor that protects them from pretty much all kinds of magic. Davian, as I said, got trained by a guy named Malshash when he back in time when he went back in time. And we get through all kinds of information that gets thrown out of us about the present, the past, the future, the importance of Davian, the importance of Caden, and we kind of don't know where that's going. But we learn a lot of pieces of the puzzle. We just don't know how they fit together necessarily. Everybody ends up in Ilan Alan, and they all try to fight off the blind. It turns out to be quite, quite difficult, and but some good things happen. One thing that happens, not so good, but it ends up being kind of good, is that Duke Andras dies, where inherits the ability to change the tenants. He is able to do that with Davian's help, and the tenants are changed just in time so that the gifted can help fight the this evil army that's crossed through the boundary, the army of the blind. We also find out that Caden who gets sucked through a portal because of the brown bronze box, is got quite a history, has currently been around for a long, long time. He is called Talcomar. We're not sure who that is, but he gets this sword called Lycanius, and he gets the sword. He's 
honors some kind of pact, whereas in a year and a day, he has to go back to where he got the sword from and freed the people who are guarding it. They're called the Lith. We're not sure who they are, what they are. They got one scene in this book. It's like 10 pages long, but apparently they're pretty critical. Caden um, returns to Ilan through a portal just in time to use the sword, which basically all he has to do is hold. And the whole entire blind army like melts in their armor, and he saves the day. There's an epilogue at the very end of the book where we find out that Terrace and is somehow linked to Davian and thinks Davian is the answer. And we, in part two of the epilogue, we find out that Caden is Talcomar, is David himself, the man who was supposed to be imprisoned on the other side of the boundary. And that's the cliffhanger we're left with. A longer than usual synopsis, because this book has got a lot going on. One thing that really caught me about this book is how it's like other high fantasy series we have read about. But before we go on a journey into what those high fantasy series are, we want to have a discussion. What do we mean by high fantasy? All right. What I bring to this pod is a love for post-apocalyptic science fiction. And I like military science fiction. I have the last fantasy books I read, unless you count uh, Stephen King's Gunslinger series, right? Unless you count the Gunslingers. Yeah, Dark, Dark Tower, which I did read those. Unless you so skipping over those, the last time I read science fiction before this podcast, you mean high fantasy? was when I was like, yeah, fantasy. I was like 19 years old. I read the Shannara books that you told me to get, Josh, and I totally loved them. Uh, but I haven't read science fiction, science or any fantasy since then. So you guys are throwing around terms like high fantasy. So what's what is high fantasy? What is low fantasy? Educate me. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Maureen. <laughs> you are. So, uh, yeah. So we're Jack, where you are post-apocalyptic, I am I'm kind of high fantasy and epic fantasy, and it's just my favorite. And you know, there's low fantasy, which is which is stuff where you know you have a little bit of magic. And one of the things that it's Game of Thrones isn't low fantasy per se, but I would consider it to be not high fantasy. It is medieval um, and definitely military, but there the magic use is restricted. Like what we see is the Red Woman, the that whole thing, and then the the White Walkers, which are essentially zombies. So that's kind of like a low fantasy thing, in in my opinion. So hold on, let me jump in. So yeah, the extent to which magic is used defines high versus medium versus low fantasy? The extent to which it is pervasive in the need of the story. Does that make sense? Like, the story in Game of Thrones doesn't really revolve around the magic. It doesn't really revolve around the White Walkers. But if you look at something like this book or Wheel of Time, um, and it's hotly contested as to whether or not Harry Potter is high fantasy slash epic fantasy. Hold on. Epic fantasy, mm -hmm. high fantasy, are those synonyms? No, they are not. So you can have, it's it's kind of like a subgenre. You can have high fantasy without being epic fantasy. Epic fantasy, 
high high fantasy has like a magic system and the world takes place because the magic exists and the conflict takes place because the magic exists but an epic fantasy is it's a coming of age story where it is dependent on high fantasy the wheel of time is like the big epic fantasy series and the world is dependent on the magic that is in it. It is a coming-of-age story of six main characters. Not all of them are magic users, but most of them are. And so this book, to me, fits into the high fantasy genre because there is a defined magic system in place. Ah, and this is how I'll tie it all back around. There is a defined magic system in place. It is a coming-of-age story, and it is dependent on... The story itself is dependent on the magic. Now, if you look at something like Lord of the Rings, it is definitely high fantasy. They have alternate races. They have, or species, well, humanoids. They have, the magic system is not defined. That didn't really start occurring into the late 80s and was really solidified by the Wheel of Time. But, you know, there is magic in it, um, as exemplified by the elves. It is a coming-of-age story. It is a journey. So it doesn't need to be it – is, it's high fantasy and epic fantasy in that sense. And it's the one that kind of – it's not the first fantasy story, but it's the one that kind of set the tone. And then Wheel of Time took it and made the formula. All right. And does high fantasy mean – it's better, a bet like considered better literature or a better story or more well developed world building or anything like that. That is a great question. I don't think it's high fantasy in terms of like more lofty. I think it's high fantasy in terms of it. And actually, what I believe is that it's less accessible. You really kind of have to like the genre and have that suspension of disbelief. Whereas, like Game of Thrones much more accessible to people because the magic is minimal it is believable and it doesn't the base the story is not based around the magic we read guy gavriel k earlier in the pod mm-hmm. also like not high fantasy that's more like medieval fantasy it's based on folklore from the area that he derived and made a story from it the only magic that's really there is the magic with um, the elves and in the Celts. So it's much more accessible to people that need to have like a grounding in reality. Their conflicts need to come from, from something that they can identify with. And some like Game of Thrones, my parents, not fantasy people, not at all. Love Game of Thrones, very accessible to them. Wheel of Time, so, the TV show so coming out, a, you're not going to watch that. It's a niche mm-hmm. within fantasy. Yeah. Yep. I think like, it might be not- helpful to add um, that Maureen's point that high fantasy just require – it's like the fantasy is dialed up. So you, you have to be willing to commit to believing things that are even more things that just aren't even possible. And that's, I think, where the magic really comes in. And um, the more the magic is defined, the more it tends towards requiring more – the ability to fantasize more about that actually being real. But high fantasy doesn't mean better, doesn't mean higher quality writing, doesn't mean better storytelling. It just means you really gotta you really gotta be willing to 
to to buy into this idea that the humanoids of the story have this kind of some kind of innate ability to move things around or read minds or do things that ordinary people can't do. Like at any given point, you're going to come across an elf and then come across a dwarf and then come across a troll. <laughs> yeah, the races do are one of the features of fantasy. And the more the races get involved, I think the more you have trend towards having it be high fantasy because you have to believe more. Wheel of Time didn't have alternative races, if I remember correctly. It did. They were on the die out. There was the green man there was the ogiers there so they oh, it had them the um, yeah the that's right yeah the sorry and lord of the rings of course had them game of thrones not really harry not potter really. has harry potter has the gnomes all over the place yeah yep. gnomes trolls um yep, dobby right. house elves like oh that's yeah, right it's they got all the over forest. the forest that's what place. um uh, centaurs <laughs> giants centaurs yeah it's got it's got all of it covered and so some series that are high fantasy that just don't get as much attention but are still pretty well known. There's like the Belgriad series by David Eddings, uh, the Shannara mm-hmm. books that had a mm-hmm. quick couple of seasons of TV recently since been canceled. Got, got is high fantasy. Um, maybe not quite – the magic system there is not nearly quite as developed. but And that was very YA too. It was very young adult. Like the TV show time. was. Yeah. Well, even the books were. I, thought, yeah. I mean, I was 19, you know. Agreed. There's there's a lot of, um, you know, like young love and crushes and stuff like that going on. So, Drama! You, you, you said that Harry Potter, I agree with you on Game of Thrones, that it's not high fantasy. It's very accessible. Harry Potter, you said there's a debate about whether that's high fantasy or just epic fantasy. Epic fantasy, I think, in this means just like a lot of volumes to see a rite of passage and see somebody kind of grow up. And it, that takes multiple volumes right. sometimes. And so that's kind of trending it towards epic. because mm-hmm. this. Well, there's also a debate this. as to whether it's urban fantasy because it is a genre – it is – is a magic system that exists within our world. So in that that subgenre is urban fantasy. Harry Harry Potter could fit into a whole lot of different categories. Got it. I think and it's also very accessible, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um which which makes you think, oh, it can't be high fantasy because if it's so accessible, maybe that's the great thing that J.K. Rowling did, which she made high fantasy somehow very accessible. Right. Because it really does check all of the boxes, but it checks all of the boxes in a lot of different categories. <laughs> so there's need, there needs to be a new word for that kind of fantasy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, it's high fantasy. We'll just call it get, perfection. Legendary get, fantasy. <laughs> Perfect Let fantasy. me get back to my, to my young adult question. Are mm-hmm. high fantasy books generally more young adult or not necessarily? Not necessarily. I wouldn't consider this book Lord a young Rings, adult no. book. Yeah, hey, Lord of the Rings. No, no. Lord of the, no. Lord of the Rings isn't either. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is kind of close because Frodo and Samwise Gamgee and Marion Pippin are childlike. And they're innocent. And they get put out into the world. And by the end of the trilogy, they're no longer – young and innocent although they still possess some of that spirit in fact frodo has to like 
leave. <laughs> he has to leave it alert. <laughs> he's, he's so he's so trashed by the experience. He has to get in the boat with the elves and like go to the happy place. <laughs> he becomes uh, but, a cynical hipster and moves to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where he lives. So I I think that there is a theme of the unexperienced, the uninitiated going through an experience to uh, get on the other side of that. Okay. So yeah. they don't maybe they don't have to be young in age, but they're they're young they're young in development. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. What question should I have asked about this that I didn't know better? Any anything else that you want to say about high fantasy, low fantasy? But quick poll. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Wait. Before we go there, Lou, mm-hmm. are you yes. high fantasy, medium fantasy, low fantasy? What's your What's your I, sweet spot? I, my sweet spot is high fantasy. Okay, Josh. Oh, my sweet spot is I like high fantasy. But um, I don't need it to be that high, if that makes any sense. <laughs> that okay. makes sense. That makes sense to me. All right, Maureen? Yeah. Epic fantasy. And epic fantasy could be high fantasy or not. It's usually high fantasy. I don't. I can't think of an example off the top of my head that is epic and low. We mentioned one, I think, which is Dark Tower has the... So, yes, but as soon as you get to Dreamscapes, um, the fourth book, it becomes high fantasy because you're in another world with different creatures and it's like it's like Wizard of Oz. Do you know what I mean? I I consider Dark Tower to be high fantasy. Yeah, I consider it to be high fantasy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jack, after having after having heard this description of fantasy and things, where would you put uh, Stephen? Donaldson's books, The White Gold Wielder. Uh, remind me of those books, dude. <laughs> so it's it's the anti-hero guy who has the guy leprosy. with leprosy. Yeah, 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 the leprosy. Well, yeah. first of all, uh, in in Lord Falsbane, correct? Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I read those. I read those books before the Shannara books, so I was probably like seventeen or eighteen, and you turned me on to them. I totally, I fucking loved them. Uh, based on what you're saying, I would say high fantasy, right? You had giants, you had, the, I think, the drow, the dark elves. You had a um, group of monk-like ninjas, um, which you know, yep. probably today I would read it and be like, well, that's pretty racist. But at the time, I didn't. I was 17. Yeah, so you know, then there was also the sun had this effect in the second batch of books um, where it would ha- have magical powers and you had to be like touching a rock. And yeah, so that would be high fantasy, but I wouldn't say it was like literature. I think it was a cool story, but um, like a really great story for me at the time. Yeah. So I, I go high fantasy, but I would not say epic because I don't think the main character underwent a huge change the main character went from negative depressed crummy guy who commits a terrible act at the beginning of the series and then he has to overcome that and overcome his tendencies to be a negative crummy guy and he he does that but not perfectly he was a flawed hero but he didn't go through a a metamorphosis the way that you guys were talking about with epics 
How, does that sound about right? Yep. Dead on the money, Jack. I agree. And so the Discworld series, fantasy, right? But we're not we're not, we're yep. not going high fantasy. We're just it's just fantasy. It's fun. Okay. It's got a lot I, going on. Did, yeah. Thing, go ahead, Maureen. Go ahead. I want to bring up one more question. <laughs> Maureen's like, no, no, no uh, I want to hear what you have to say. It not high fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's it dev- Well, I would say so. It, it definitely is. Have you read any of the witches' books in, in Discworld? No. Okay. So there, there is magic there. There's the wizards. That's the night watch books are like you guys were talking about police procedurals, but there's a whole set of other little storylines and it does have progressions and all of that stuff. The Discworld is its own beast <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's fabulous. Okay. So here's my question. Are some science fiction books really, are they really actually fantasy books? Welcome they, to the space opera, Jack. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what Star Wars is. You know, Star Wars is a space opera. It's fantasy, but it takes place in space. What is the Brown Coats one TV show? Joss Whedon, uh, Firefly. 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 Fantasy that takes place in space. Agreed. My favorite book, which is coming up in the in the pod at some point, is Hyperion. It's my favorite. My my favorite book, I think, of all time. And I saw a note about it, like on Reddit or something, and it said, oh, this book's not even science fiction. It's science fantasy. It's really a fantasy story. And I, I, I that just I, – whatever. I didn't do anything with it. But this conversation has made me wonder if you, if you kind of turn the lens a little and you say, all right, let's talk about science fiction for a little bit. Let's go Old Man's War. We all kind of felt that was military sci-fi, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed. And we all feel that our next – one of the next books we cover is Forever War. That's very clearly military sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Three-body uh, problem. Three-body problem. Science fiction. Science fiction. Pure science fiction. Ray Bradbury used to be science fiction. Now Ray Bradbury is science fact. <laughs> all right. This is helping me. This is helping me and confusing mm-hmm. me. And now I want to think about other books like the one the that's on TV. The Expanse. Yeah, yeah. Space that, opera. Space opera. Space opera. Mm-hmm. But it's got a good amount of science in it. It just yes. It's not the kind of thing where like necessarily it's easy to see how humans would get from where we are in technology today to there. But mm-hmm. actually, it's you know we could. I think we have to find the 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 propulsion system. That seems to always be the thing. Is the propulsion system um, that allows us to travel <laughs> through space. As far as I can tell. Movement. Movement yeah. is the big thing in any – it's just – yes. Travel is a barrier in any genre. <laughs> every single story that you read, like – not every single story that you read, but like science fiction as well as any sort of fantasy that takes place over the course of you know many continents, everybody's got to find some sort of travel uh, solution. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I agree, though, Jack, that Hyperion is uh, not science fiction. Although it has some hard sci-fi in it. It has spaceships. 
It has the Careful, portals. we don't want to spoil. We don't want to spoil. Spoil. Yeah, it's... Not me. Not me. Haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Marine, I'm sorry. It does I have... No, it's it all has, good. It has spaceships. It has spaceships? Oh, yeah. no. In a science fiction book? I never would have guessed. <laughs> it has It has Buku artificial intelligence. Ooh, that, that's, that's exciting. Very, that's very sci-fi-esque. Oh, Asimov. Very sci-fi. All right. Well, I think I don't want to bore the listener anymore with our our bucketing of stories. We like stories that kick gas. Yeah, I, I was yeah. really hoping because we get a lot of feedback from people. That's not high fantasy. You've you've defined military sci-fi wrong. That's going to be fun. <laughs> so far, I don't know who the authority on these things are. So we're our Reddit. own. Authority. No one. <laughs> Lucy, in reading this book. Did you see any parallels between any other fantasy or high fantasy stories that you know, and what were they? When I started reading this book, it reminded me when I first picked up Eye of the World, and Robert Jordan, Eye of the World. You know, for me, it was just uh, refreshing and eye-opening, right? And an introduction to something that was new, for me at least, you know, Um just like out of the world was, you know what I mean? In that fantasy way where this is a whole brand new world, you know, uh, with a hero who's a little reluctant at first, comes into his own, you know, into his own power also. It, re- it did remind me a lot of the real time, you know, uh, series, you know, a lot of similarities. But at the same time, it has its own character. It, it has its own feel you know uh, and it's refreshing this book is really refreshing jack see any parallels between this book and any other fantasy series you're aware of of the both books a little bit in the uh, sense name of, of the wind um, patrick rothfuss yeah in uh creation of mood i think about the places he that that character went and his experience of the geographical differences in the places he went in this book has some of that, right? You have, it also reminded me of the fifth season a little bit. It had some similar theme themes, which I know that's definitely going to be in our list at some point. Uh, and I think I'm the only one who read it. So I won't. I've read it. Oh, you have. Okay. It had some similar themes in that too, which is there's uh, people with unique abilities that can't control their abilities to the satisfaction of the population, therefore their abilities have to stop. Yeah, so there were snippets, but no, this was a standalone for me. Okay, I'm going to go through a list, and we'll let um, – I'll ask Maureen to bring us home on it. So with Wheel of Time, I saw a similarity between the tenets uh, that we have in this book and the Oath Rod in Wheel of Time. Uh, both books, Wheel of Time in this series – and uh, Harry Potter, to our earlier discussion about young people, have young primary characters who uh, are trying to discover their innate magical ability. We also have a similar wheel of time on sort of the magical trinkets and vessels. Uh, vessels in this series, and I'm forgetting what they were called in Wheel of Time. Angriel, Sangriel, and Terangri. Thank you. Yes. Here's another cue for you, Maureen. In this book, we have the administrators. In Wheel of Time, we have the... I don't know that we had anything. It was kind of like an Aes Sedai thing, but I don't know that we really had anything other than the white cloaks, but I don't think that they were really comparable. 
got it. That is who I was thinking, though, so I'm going to give you. Oh, sweet. And uh, in this book, we have the city of Delanes, which is like this haunted, evacuated city. And in Wheel of Time, we have Shadar Lagoth. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Maureen, you're doing fantastic, so I'm going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking gonna... about my favorite, my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> well, now I'm going to open it up to Mount some other epic fantasy or and or fantasy and or high fantasy books. In this book, we have The Boundary. In another popular series, we have The... The Wall. Yes. <laughs> <That's gross>. Wow. <laughs> right? Uh, Solid. Wasteland. Solid, yeah. Where the bad yep. guys live. And and so, it's beyond just, it, there's a danger. It's coming. We don't know. What, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was also a wall in the um, – actually, come to think of it, in the Shannara books. The demon, the demon world was kind of kept at bay by like a magical something. Um, okay. <clears throat> in this book, we have the Shateth. In another popular series, we have the I, – I want to say the, White Walkers. Ooh, White Walker's not bad, not bad. But there's something I think a little bit even more analogous, and that they and they take they suck your soul out of you, kind of. They just suck the. Oh, the Dementors! Solid. Yes. Dementors. Yeah. And here is a Lord of Rings connection. I don't know if anybody wants to take it on, but Fedris Idri is to the shadow of what was lost as. Blank is to Lord of the Rings. Ah. Uh, I think there's two. I think there's two totally valid answers, by the way. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Josh, you're killing me. I'm so sad. the The problem is I'm not as familiar with Lord of the Rings. Is okay. it's not the king guy in the second book, is it? No, it's not the king. Is that? No, although that's another parallel between Lord of the Rings, though, is that the king, <laughs> shadow of what was lost, is being controlled mm-hmm. by some negative force, and yes. the king of Rohan is being controlled by the guy who is connected to Saruman. But anyway, yes. okay, I'm stumping you guys, so I'm going to take my own answers. Phaedrus Idri is to shadow of what was lost as either, there's two correct answers, Helm's Deep or the walls of Minas Tirith were to Lord of the Rings. Oh. Remember the Battle of Helm's Deep in the Two Towers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like all hope is lost, and like the elves march up on their armor and turn all at the same time perfectly, and you're like, the elves are here, they're gonna win. Yeah. Doesn't Gandalf show up? Gandalf the White show up on his horse, and everything's beautiful. And yes, yes. Yeah. 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 You also get that moment with Sansa in Game of Thrones, and you get that moment uh, with Rand and in um, Wheel of Time several times with the Trollocs. Yeah, that's like that's a classic scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thing is, I think it's time for a favorite passage. I can do mine. Okay. I sorry. I loved, loved, loved this book. It is quickly rocketed up to one of my favorites. So this is the beginning of chapter fifty-four right after the battle starts taking place and the blind have invaded the city. Elin Elan burned. The night was at its deepest now and the city below was lit only by naked, furious flames. Davian stared desperately at the scene from where he'd collapsed in exhaustion, a little way behind the now dangerously thin front line of Andar and soldiers. Every street, every building visible from his vantage point at the palace 
gates either glowed a hot, angry red or sat in equally ominous darkness. He gasped for air and shook his head, trying to clear it, trying to get his bearings. He, Wurr, and Terrace had made it back to the shields from the toll, but their time there had been painfully short. Most of the city had been lost in that first disastrous hour after the blind had fought their way inside through Toll Athian. By the time someone had figured out exactly where the breach was, the lower and middle districts were already ablaze. After the shields, a desperate retreat, their only option to avoid being trapped in Fedris Idri. Chaos as the blind hit them from front in and front from in front and behind cutting through their lines the invaders unnaturally fast blades slashing everywhere struggling onward to the palace the only defensible position left in the city through a maelstrom of panic and screaming and running and blood and then this current ominous near unbearable silence that hung over the city like a shroud as the blind prepared their next assault probably their final one davian realized the Andorans who had made it back to the palace had managed to regroup to form a defensible line, but the damage had been done. They were going to lose. Chills! Yeah, that scene Chills! had some atmosphere, didn't it? Oh, it was so good! The, and the writing was beautiful. It was on point. The atmosphere was perfectly set up, and it he the way that he wrote it just hammered home the desperation of the situation the language the structure was beautiful to be able to convey a scene of absolute hopelessness it was perfect it was perfect and it's one of the scenes of the book that had a real mood to it a lot of this book stuff is being thrown at us we're moving around we're meeting new people the world is just opening and opening and expanding the timelines the multiple timelines but this was a scene where we now we're going to just zoom in and this is this is the feeling that's taking place and yeah. pal yes okay what does the title mean i'm the shadow of what was lost i'm not sure what the what was lost I'm not sure what the shadow of what was lost is. So anybody got any clues? I found meaning in three ways in the title. The first is obviously the the loss of the battle at the the augers when they they lose the battle of the magic and the tenants are put in place and all of a sudden. Everyone that is a gifted is living in a, a, a state that they uh, – not a downtrodden state, but they are living in in a way that they had not been – they don't have the freedom that they used to have. So that was the first one. Then when Asha was made into a shadow, that actually became the second meaning of it for me, where she is now – living in an actual loss she's lost a part of herself she's lost an ability it's like losing sight it's like losing a sense it's something that she'd come to rely on and she is literally called a shadow Mm -hmm. then the third part was when they were talking when uh davian was talking with um i can't remember his name but the guy where he was doing the time travel in the city and talking about the Khan and how the Khan itself 
was a shadow of magic and the augurs it's something that's new and coming back so this magic was is also something that has been lost to people and it's it's represented as a shadow so i just i took so much meaning from the title and i thought it was brilliant the way that it was structured it it signified so many of the movements in the book and i yes got a, a lot of shadows <laughs> a lot of shadows and you picked up on all that and the only sort of hard the only sort of hard clue i found was chapter 45 where uh, davian has gone to the library one more time in his timeline not not the past that he was spent getting trained by Malshash. and he the book that the advisor which is the librarian the advisor picked out for him <laughs> when Davian wanted to know about the invading army. He asked the advisor, I want books on the invading army. And the advisor brought him to this book, and it's this really long book. And But towards the end, Davian sees a symbol, attracts his attention, and he reads what's under it. And it says, Hail, king of traitors. We who knew you mourn what was lost. Only a shadow remains. Mm. And I'm like... Okay, I mean, there's more. You can read it there from the book. But what's more doesn't really tell you what was lost. We who mourn you, we who knew you mourn what was lost. So did you, the king of traitors, die? And that's what was lost? And now there's only a shadow of that person? Is that Caden? Is Caden just a shadow of David? Talcomar? I don't know anymore. I'm confused. But there's a shadow of what was lost. <laughs> that's good it. josh i, don't I love think, it i don't think we're gonna see i don't think we're gonna see caden as the character caden anymore i just have a feeling go forward in the series it can be something else right i'll let you know because i have a second book oh no comment because i'm already reading it <laughs> oh no i loved it loved it it's too good to put down you're way ahead of me. <laughs> and now let's have a word from our sponsor for episode 11. And when we return, we'll do Hollywood. Books from Earth is teaming up with the American Werewolf Prevention Association to make an important public announcement. The American Werewolf Prevention Association, or the AWPA, is encouraging everyone six months and older, especially pregnant women, to be vaccinated against the werewolf virus. With recent estimates from the AWPA showing the vast majority of the public in the U.S. are not vaccinated against the werewolf virus, it is vitally important that you get vaccinated before the next full moon. Stop the blight, get the shot before the bite. Here's a quote I'm going to read from a leading expert. Quote, getting the werewolf vaccine is the best way to protect yourself, loved ones, and the public against the spread of werewolves. It also saves lives saves lives, especially vulnerable populations where the vaccine is in short supply. Now, that's a quote from the American Werewolf Prevention Association president, Dr. Janice Sacramento. The American Werewolf Prevention Association and Books from Earth urge every eligible American to get their werewolf vaccination as soon as possible because we know it's the most effective way to protect against the scourge. The vaccine is effective in preventing the spread of the illness, even if you're bitten. The American Werewolf Pre Prevention Association and Books from Earth 
also urges physicians to encourage their patients to get the vaccine. Books from Earth and the American Werewolf Prevention Association fully support the overwhelming scientific evidence that shows that that vaccination is among the most effective and safest interventions to both prevent individual werewolf virus and protect the health of the public. Gang, I'm not a doctor. I don't want to get into the vaxxer, anti-vaxxer debate, um, but I can tell you, based on my own personal experience, that the werewolf virus is 100% preventable. Last year, I was leaving Bed Bath & Beyond, and I was attacked by a werewolf, I'm not ashamed to say. Uh, I was was one of the fortunate ones, and I only – I mean the blood loss was minimal, put it that way. I was able to walk away from from the – encounter. And um, look, I know my story is not unique, that lots of people have been the subject of a werewolf attack. Uh, I don't think I'm special there. But the key is this. When I was younger, my parents got me vaccinated. So despite the werewolf saliva going directly into my bloodstream, I didn't I didn't get, uh, you know, I didn't get the virus. Now, that's not to say I wasn't prepared the next time the full moon rolled around i was i wanted to protect my family but i emerged from the experience um you know just fine so um take it from me stop the blight get a shot before the bite to learn more go to www.booksfromearth.com no more backslash no more werewolves to get accurate timely scientifically sound information on the werewolf vaccine you can also use the interactive, interactive map to find out if there is a werewolf outbreak near you. Stop the blight, get a shot before the bite. Now, back to the pod. Thank you, Jack. And yes, we here at Books of Earth do believe that the spread of werewolves is a problem. Of course, if you already are a werewolf, you are wholly accepted here at Books of Earth. We understand and sympathize with you fully. But we're just not encouraging additional werewolves being created. I, I, it's just personal trait. I mean, my own run-in with with a werewolf was traumatic, and you know, it's it's my fault. It's my fault. I'm not blaming the werewolf. I mean, let's just say I should have known. I mean, there were some signs, and it's a little embarrassing to talk about. Um, you know, I was in my college days. I was, you know, just you know, feeling a little kind of down. Recently broken up, so I was turning to the dating apps, and I was going and going through, and I found somebody liked me, I liked them. I was like, cool, let's go find out. And, you know, I, I violated one of the first rules of app dating and I, I did more than just like kind of have coffee on that first date, you know, it was kind of like I went ahead and like I just she I thought she was really attractive and just had a lot of spunk and and so I went ahead and said, Yeah, let's go ahead and get dinner and bought her dinner and then she's acting really just cute, so cute and attractive and she invites me back to her place. Rule three, you know, of dating app, don't do more than coffee first date. If you get invited back to the place, something might be going on. I just, you know, I mean, there's casual hookups, but this, this just felt I should have. It just, it was like I was in the tunnel, and I just should have known. But you know, you kind of know where this is going, and there we are. We're in the bedroom, and it's, it's turning a good time, and she, she starts getting kind of, you know, kind of rowdy and aggressive, and I like it. I'm like, oh, this is cool, okay, right? And I, I'll never forget this. I mean, I, I, I turned my head. And looked at her window, and she was in the fifth story, so we could oversee the tree line. And right as I looked out, light hits my eyes, and the full the full, full moon is rising. Mm-hmm. And 
I wish I wish I could get this image out of my mind because I I turned back, you know, and she was on top, but it wasn't it wasn't her anymore. <laughs> She'd fully transformed in that moment. I always thought werewolf transformation was like this agonizing process of bone twisting. Bam, werewolf, everything covered with hair except for oddly. It cover your ears if you don't want to hear this. This is graphic. We warned you at the beginning. Everything was covered with dark brown hair except for her nipples, and I'll never forget them because they had like grown twice as big. And <laughs> she's howling. And you know, I mean, I you know, I'd kind of like to think that. Well, never mind. But just at that moment, as she's raking her claws into my shoulders, her roommates burst in and shoot her with a werewolf trank. Not for that. And I'm not here today doing the podcast. And had I not been vaccinated, mm. I'd be, I guess I'd be a werewolf. Mm. So well, anyway. my own, yeah, my own run-in with with werewolves is Re- not on. Maureen, that dramatic. Maureen, mm-hmm. I just want to thank Josh for his honesty and letting his guard down with us. <laughs> yeah, I had to go to therapy. Yeah, thank so you, Josh. Big, <laughs> big, 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 big. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Well, my own run-in with um, with werewolves was, you know, in high school, I really just felt very different, and um, and I actually pursued lycanthropy. Um, and I started hanging out with the um, the local lycanthropes in in high school, and you know, trying to get into their gang, um, and and. And, you know, I wasn't very popular and I wasn't very cool, but one of them took a took a fashion to me and it was very nice. But um, it went the day that I went to get initiated. um, I you know, the full moon was coming up. We were out. My my high school was um, in front of a cornfield. So we all just met in the high school. It was like straight out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It was amazing. Um, and I was like, wow, all my dreams are going to come true. And, um, they took me out into the cornfield and, you know, the hottest where it was like, all my dreams were coming true. And when he bit me, nothing happened. And I was really confused, um, and found out that, um, because I, I, I didn't change. And when I woke up the next morning, you know, I went to ask my parents and they had told me that I had actually gotten the vaccine when I was very, very young. Now, I am a lot older now. I really appreciate not being a werewolf. You know, it's hard enough. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that I did not get werewolf in me and I am just straight human. Um, but that was actually my run in with lycanthropy. And so now I am very glad that I have that vaccine. I mean, that's why the association is saying, get, get them vaccined young because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's being a werewolf looks romantically cool. Like once a month, you just go off and go crazy. Especially when you're 16. Yeah. But the damage you could do on one night is catastrophic. Those werewolves. Well, and you, yeah, you just don't have every single judgment. one of those people in that friend group are dead now because you just get into so much trouble as a werewolf. I mean, one got shot, you know, another one was like transforming and it went bad one night. You know, you never know what's going to happen. I have yep. a werewolf friend in jail. Oh, yeah. He's in jail. Oh. He's locked up. 
You can't get is it true else. that they have silver bars on the werewolf jails? I don't know. I have not gone to visit them, but I do have my own story. I saw and... something on Discovery about that. That is true. Oh, that is true? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's locked up. Yeah. It was on, he's locked up. I saw it on like a Locked Up Abroad. I don't know if it was Discovery, but... I heard the werewolf jails cost like 10 times as much as normal jails, and that's one of the reasons why werewolves are like suspiciously killed when they're caught like much higher rate than humans that's so messed up i know that's crazy i'm glad that got vaccinated too just a virus sorry lou go ahead i'm glad i got vaccinated too because i was taking you know uh i was visiting my grandfather's village in africa and i was told never go into the mountains unless you had garlic and other things wrapped around you that werewolves don't like, silver, you know. And I really kind of didn't really believe it at first until I went, I was 19 years old, and I decided to go up the mountain myself. I just decided to take a hike, you know, and I was, you know, I thought I was invisible, nothing could hurt me. I was going up, you know, just walking, walking. And it was about an hour and a half later, and uh, I was starting to lose light. And I heard some rustling. And I looked over, and it was a guy. And he was scantily dressed. And I thought to myself, oh, that's, that's odd. Why is he not dressed up? Right? And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to walk away from him. And I just kept on going. And all of a sudden... I got bit, and he disappeared. Well, hold on, hold on, Lou. Did was he in human form when he bit you, uh, or was he, he was he was in human form when I saw him? I turned my back. I was walking. I was probably walking for five minutes. Okay, and then out of nowhere, I get bit. Wow. And then he just dis- and then he disappears. They're, oh. they're, they're very fast, right? Like a, like a nip? Myself, was it like a nip on your calf or something, or what? It was on my shoulder. Oh, oh, oh wow. Right? And it, ha- it happened so quickly. And then I ran back home. And uh, and I told my mom what happened. She is a nurse. She got all my vaccines when I was very young. I'm very lucky. And she told me, you probably got bit by a were- werewolf, you know, and uh, not to go up those mountains. What were you doing? I got yelled at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. So I'm very lucky. Well, these stories are very common, and it just reinforces um, the public announcement that I read from uh, the AWPA. So everybody, get your vaccine. This is serious stuff. Serious stuff. Serious. Okay, time to do Hollywood. Here we are in Hollywood. Unlimited budget. Southern California climate. We get to do casting. We decide everything what we're going to do with this high fantasy, epic fantasy novel series. I don't have much to say on casting because I'm kind of thinking I just want new people. I just want to do new people, young people, new people. I just feel like we're recycling so many people except for one guy I want to keep. Who is it? One guy. 
you know, it's the guy who plays the druid Alanon in the Shannara series. He played Crispix in the Spartacus series. He's he. As soon as I met the Terrace character in this book, uh-huh. I was like, oh, it's got to be him. <laughs> it's got to be him because he's just that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, the the guy the guy's uh, is Jonathan Manu Benet is he's a New Zealand actor and you know I just want him for Terrace but if it's overdone overplayed and we need somebody new I'm fine with that but let's just open it up and get a lot of new people in. Do you, anybody have anybody though they want us you want us to be sure to we call in? I got I got one person at least want to get a read, and that is the um, Alfie whatever his last name is from Game of Thrones. He was uh, the dude who got his penis cut off. It was a, <laughs> a ward of the Starks. What's his name? Alfie Allen. Alfie Allen. Um, Caden. The dude with three names. Grow his hair out. Give him some acne. Have him lose some weight. That is a solid choice. Thank you. That is a really, that's a good one. Haunted. Yeah, he's good at playing a haunted kind of. Yeah. yeah, but he's he can also kind of do like the arrogant and the innocent and he yeah that's a good choice I like that. Anything else? What I think this epic fantasy high fantasy series is going to have some production challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking about that's and that's part of the hard part about doing high fantasy in film is how do you display the magic? And so, you know, one of the things with the the becoming of a shadow when they use that vessel on the back of Asha's neck, that's going to be really cool. But, like, if the gifted are using their powers, and there's a difference between the con and the essence, how do you convey that in terms of film? Where it's like, you know, maybe... Asha and were in the beginning when they're using their essence, you know, a magical glow comes up about them and then it like fires from their hands or something like that versus, you know, Davian who can't seem to get the magic like going with himself and he's constantly feeding essence off other people. So do you see that he's taking little bits from other people or like, like how is that? Does that give away the game? So one of the things I was thinking about, like in the production of this is how is Hollywood going to convey the magic system? And it's just, it's a neat thing to think about. That is, that's a tough one. And now the people who use the gifted, who use essence, it can be detected mm-hmm. by the administrators. They like have this ability to know when you're using it, and so it almost needs to be. But you can use small amounts of it, and it won't mm-hmm. won't be detected. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it must give off some kind of vibration or something. Mm-hmm. And and um, I'm thinking almost if we could use sort of rippling. Mm-hmm. Like Ooh, invisible rippling, yeah. you know, um, that somehow connects the user, the gifted person to the item that it's moving around or manipulating or what have you. Right. And and uh, almost what like a, subtly what, underdone. I think we all agree it's a series, right? 
Mm-hmm. Where where is this series? Is it HBO, Netflix? I would sci-fi. love to see what Netflix can do with this. Or HBO. I trust I trust both of those. Netflix, HBO. It could be a Netflixy. It's a little bit more. It's definitely more PG than we than yes. Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I think Netflix could do it and not have to worry about ratings, you know, or anything like that. Well, uh, we'll 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 sell it to uh, whatever network wants to pay the most and let us. Do yeah, it I mean, we'll just put it out there for bidding because they're going to be begging for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite passage, Lou. I got one. So this comes in chapter chapter 27, and it's when Asha, who's one of my favorite characters, finds out that David is still alive, right? And it goes, her bedroom was still dark, getting up before sunrise, but she rarely thought to draw back the thick curtains. She left them closed and rarely down on her bed. Asha, the male, ver- the male voice made her sit up straight in alarm. Who's there, she said, trying to make the fear in her voice a warning. She scrambled to the light, the lamp beside her bed, raising, raising it with a shaking hand. A figure shifted in the shadows at the corner of her room. There was a clicking sound, metal against metal. Then the intruder moved forward. Into the light. It's good to see you, Asha, said Davian softly. Asha stared in disbelief. She had to be dreamy, hallucinating. The, sta- the man standing in the corner of the room was Davian, but he looked older, much older. Gone was the skinny boy from Caladel. Muscles rippled beneath Davian's light, light shirt, which was tattered and bloodstained. There was a strange scar, almost a tattoo, scored onto his neck. Three wavy vertical lines, all within a circle. And his face not only had the old scar from Caladel, but another one, worse, running across the other cheek just beneath his eye. It looked deep, painful, not fully healed. Weak old stubble made him look even more disheveled. Davian's entire body was bound by a black, glistening chain with thick links, the metal wreathing in the lamplight as if alive. He shifted the metallic clicking, echo, he shifted and the metallic clicking echoed through the room again. Worst of all, though, were his eyes they were old, full of pain as he looked at her. Is this a dream, asked Asha, dazed. You, you're not real. They said you died at Caladel. They lied. David made an awkward step back as Asha swung out of bed. Please don't come any closer, it's dangerous. Asha stopped. She wanted to go go to him, touch him, just to make sure he was really there. Why? Davin grimaced, staring at the ground. I don't have time to explain. I'm restricted in what I can say. Who is the Shad Rahim? Asha shook her head in confusion, and the sun switch. Was this some kind of elaborate trick? A man called Skyner, she said, slowly. Why? Davian grimaced again, still staring at her. She's telling the truth. She doesn't know. He gave a moan of pain as the black chains tightened around him. You have my word, Rathgar, he added through greeted teeth. Dave, asked 
Asha took a hesitant half step toward, step forward in concern before tr remembering Devian's warning. What's going on? We know you have met with the Shadrin. You helped her. Davian spoke in monotone, and he stared at her intently, trying to communicate something, a warning. Her? Asha shook her head. Skyner is a man. Skyner is just the Shadarian's lieutenant, a pre-war, though. Don't trust him. The black chains flexed. Though Dav Davian didn't cry out this time, she could see from his expression how much it hurt. Dave, stay back. Davian's words were like a whip stopping her in place. Ashalia Shadras, for your for your part, is assisting the shadows. You have been found guilty. He hesitated. He hesitated, clearly reluctant to say, say the next part. The sentence is death. A chill ran through Asha at the words, "I'm a shadow, Dave." She said softly, holding the lamp in, in, her, in holding the lamp higher in the case he hadn't able to see her face. Davian gave her a, light, a tight smile. You won't always be, though. The black chain shivered, and Davian let out an involuntary groan, sinking to his knees. She doesn't know anything, and this is the furthest we can go before Tal Kamar. The chains tightened again, and this time Davian's expression turned to go on, turned to one of grim anger. He closed his eyes. The chains froze, turned gray as steel. Davian kept his eyes closed. They can't hear us now. But I can't do this for long either. He calmly, he said calmly, his voice gaining a hint of the warmth she remembered. I know this must be confusing, but there's no time to explain. So you're going to have to trust me. You'll be making a deal with the children soon, the real one. When you do, I need you to tell her that Tal Kamar is taking Likanias to the wells and the information is a gift for me. Can you do that? Asher Asha swallowed the myriad questions she wanted to ask, instead giving a bemused nod and repeating the message. Good, thank you, Ash. Devin took a deep breath. Now, this is equally important. When you find out that I am at Eoshan, Geth-Teth, don't come after me. I'm fine. The venerate can't kill me, but they will kill you, and you're the, you're the one they want. I'm just a bait. Remember that. He opened his eyes, and the chains began slowly moving again, starting to bleed bleed back to the original oily black. A shiver ran through Davian's body, and he looked as though he had been drained of blood of life. Don't tell anyone else that you saw me, especially not me. They've read. They've read. They've read so many of us now. There's no telling whose mind is safe these days. He shook his head as he saw her baffled expression. I'm so sorry. You understand when the time comes. The chains tightened, jerked back backward. Davian silently locked her, silently locked eyes with her as he was pulled into the shadows. Then he was gone. That's it. Most intense scene of the book, I think. Most yes. intense scene. I, yeah. yeah. This is the first time there. we've seen that there's a lot going on. You know, questions are not answered. He can obviously travel through time, you know, and uh, he's captured. Uh, you know, he's captured. That's all we know. Yeah. And yeah, she knows we, he's alive. And we, know, and we know that Davian, this basically boy, yes, goes through some pretty tragic, heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. That could be yes. – that could be like a 
double time travel situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like still a young boy and he's traveling the future and then traveling from there. It could be like the the eighth book. It could be, you know, and I, this is supposed to be a trilogy. I understand, but it just feels like you know the dog that caught the car. Now what do you do? And I just it could be anywhere in that story, and I can't wait to read it yeah. from the other point of view. Or it could be a trick. Yes, that's that that's that high fantasy knowledge coming through there. I love it. I'm excited. I need more. I can't wait. Everybody, it seems like there's so many agendas going on in this book. Anything, anybody could be tricking anybody about anything. That's kind of how I feel. I'm still confused about who's doing what and why. It's time for our rapid fire round, a first ever on the Books from Earth podcast. In the rapid fire round, I'm going to ask each member of the podcast something about the book, and they must answer quickly and to the point. Here we go. This is the order. We're going to go Jack. Maureen and then Lou for this episode. I feel kind of nervous, by the way, that I'm not. You're going to be too. like. I feel very nervous, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's the rapid fire round. You're supposed to be nervous. You're <laughs> right where you're supposed to be. Feeling exactly the way you're supposed to be. <laughs> for episode 11, Jack, Maureen, and Lou. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. First topic. What is your favorite vessel from this story and why? Jack. I'm going to go with the gold box because I know it the best, and uh, it's just really cool. Same, because it's pretty. I go with the ring because it accesses the shadow's powers, and the, the, shadow, the shadows have lost their powers. Very good. I'm going to go with the invisibility veil. just seems like you could do so much with that. Okay. What would your high fantasy name be if you were in if you were a character in a high fantasy novel, Jack? I have no idea. It's <laughs> it's too hard for me to figure out. It's maybe a spin off my middle name, like which is Fletcher, but you just spell it weird, like Fletcher, and then when you read it, no one knows how to exactly <laughs> Okay, okay. Maureen? Amalthea, which is stolen from the last unicorn. Uh-huh, okay. Now, exact, exactly, or do you alter it? I'll alter it, but I just want to be the last unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Lou? <laughs> I would think I will go with my middle name, because it's a high fantasy name. Kapwati. <laughs> oh, no fair. You ha- already have a high fantasy. Lou's a, already equipped. Lou comes correct. Name. <laughs> it's an African name, so it's like, you know. It, means quick, it means quick feet for the uninitiated. <laughs> yes. oh, it even has a meaning. Gosh. Yeah. Kapwati Pwati. Yes. If you just picture feet, Kapwati Pwati. Moving your feet quickly. It's the sound it makes. It's an onomatopoeia. Yeah. Quatty, quatty, quatty. Hmm. Yes. Nice. Okay, mine yes, is Jimerald, Jimerald Earth Turner. Ooh. 
YA. That's very okay. YA. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. So next topic. Are you from Tol Athian or are you from Tol Shen, Jack? The first one. Mm-hmm. Athian because Shen sucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they're too political and they're hierarchical, and I don't like that. And Jack, the, Jack is not grasping the rapid fire. That was the answer so far. So I'm first one. Recognize that, Jack. First one in the story. Yeah. That's Tolathian. Very good. Okay. Maureen? Athian. Yep. Blue? Same thing. Yeah, we just don't know enough about Tol Shin, and they get such a bad rap. But I really like the characters we met from there. It was Ishel and yeah. like the guy that was a representative. They were actually the coolest, funnest people we meet in the whole book, and they're confident and they're happy. Something's going on over there at Tol Shin. I'm gonna find out. I'll let you guys know. Okay. Okay. Is Caden, Talcamar, David good or bad? At the end of this book. Jack. Good. Good. Lou? Good. Oh, wow. That's three Good. goods. Yay! That's my gut. That's my gut. Because I like the guy. I like him. Even though apparently he's done major atrocities. Okay. W- what tenet would you add? Pass. This is a tough one. Pass. Wow. Maureen? Worship Maureen. Mm, nice, Lou. <laughs> tenant to uh, heal. Is that the tenant? Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's to heal anybody. Like, like the Good Samaritan. No, no, no. It's not. It's yeah. Not. yeah. You have to be, you have to be a Good Samaritan. Oh wow, that's great. That's a nice one. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking something like do whatever Josh says or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> really, um, I, I just got to withdraw now uh, from the thing. Okay, folks, what makes this book special? We'll stick with our rapid-fire round order. Jack. Breadth, depth, detail, plot. Mm. Yes. Good. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I loved the way that it was crafted. I loved how he set up his world building, which was we're going to give you a little bit and then we're going to explain it and then we're going to put it to use. Like, I don't think I've ever seen it done before. It was brilliant. Um, And I just loved the characters. It was so good. Lou. The characters for me, you know, the story, the characters, the shadow, everything you know mm-hmm. and it's it, it, it's just it's so brand new and it's refreshing refreshing yeah yep there's two there's two things that were to me were a little different that was where this refreshing is coming from one is the battle scenes where either the blind or the augurs participate and they're moving faster than everybody else I can just picture that the whole, uh, you know, everything's in slow motion for them, and they're just able to fight. Totally cool. I would like some more of that, and I also liked how we are given bits and pieces to Maureen's point of various stories, various timelines, future, past, 
and we really don't know what to do with all of it, but it's all really interesting, and I want to find out how it fits together. Episode 11, featuring the shadow of what was lost by James Islington, has come to an end. We'd like to remind you to get your werewolf virus vaccine. Please contact the American Werewolf Prevention Association for further questions, or you can find out more information about AWPA at booksomearth.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, rate us, and or visit our website, booksomearth.com. Earth makes great books. Come relive them with us. So long and until next time, all you augurs, gifted shadows, administrators, shahedrians, venerates, keep your vessels safe and close to home. As our last episode of our inaugural season, Josh, Marie, and Lacken. Lacken Jew? That's my high fantasy name, Lacken Jew. Lacken Jew. <laughs> I am going to go on forever about this, guys. Just let me, just tell me when to stop. Um. Uh, Sorry. I'm going to be obnoxious. No, no, that was my cue. That was my cue. Um, um. So, guys, we're 45 minutes in. I think I want to skip world building or I want to skip agendas since they're kind of confusing anyway. Um, we can do themes a little bit if we want. Um, we have a commercial. We want. I want to touch on casting since we always do that right after the commercial. We have two more favorite passages we can do when there's the rapid round. Do you guys mind if we drop agendas? Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I do want to – I figured out what I want to do for casting, which is how to display the use of magic. Like I, the, I know I always go off on tangents and stuff like that, so I don't have to do casting for my family. Like because one of the things I was thinking about as I was reading it and how it would portray on screen was how do you get the magic across, which is a big thing that they're going to run into in Wheel of Time. Okay. So. Yeah. Right, let's skip. I think we already touched on themes, rite of passage, origins, and stuff like that. I do want to talk about what makes the book come alive, because <laughs> this book was very special to me. Or we can talk about it later at the at the this what makes this book special. Yeah, save that for what makes this book special. But take take your time. I mean, don't feel like you have to say it in ten seconds or thirty seconds or Got even it. a minute. Whatever whatever you need to do. And I think I'm going to move magic morals to rapid fire. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you if you're a mind reader, are you okay with just reading everybody's mind and having a great time with it? Or are you going to have morals and why? So I'll just move it to there. Uh, and so that can bring us to the commercial. So we can do the commercial now and bring up your werewolf story. Okay. Everybody has a werewolf story. And then um, we'll do the quick thing on casting on Hollywood. It's not just casting on Hollywood. So you I'm gonna Maureen, bring in your bring in your mm -hmm. magic thing. And I have only one person I know I want to cast. Um, we talked about casting a family member, so I, I don't know who my family member would be. But we'll just we can experiment with that. If it doesn't work, we can cut it out. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do um, uh, so Lou, you have a favorite passage. Maybe we'll just do two I favorite do. passages. Because honestly, I didn't – Maureen's is really good, and then Lou's was really good, and I don't have – I have a small one. I have a small one. So maybe I'll do my favorite passage now, and then we'll do the commercial, 
werewolves, Hollywood, Lou's favorite passage, rapid round, and what makes it special. And then we'll just be cutting some stuff out to can make I it is, Can I say it's, makes the top, it's the top of the ninth, and the Nationals are up 4-2. What? No way. Yeah. Are you watching? Do you want to be watching? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm watching. I can't I'm, watch I, it because my stomach I, was turned. I was not. I was not watching. I was in the basement, but I just came upstairs like two minutes ago. <laughs> I've watched every minute of the World Series except for tonight. Really? Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. I pretty much have also. And today is the first time I, you know, but oh my gosh. I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we're – are you recording it? Are you guys recording it? I'm not recording it or anything, but, you know, like last night I couldn't – I had a hard time watching it. My stomach was upset. I couldn't believe it. It was so stressful. It was so stressful. Baseball was so stressful. The yeah. weekend, the weekend games sucked so bad. Oh dude. my god! <laughs> my parents were visiting, and so I was watching them with my dad. You oh, know, no. and I had this like vision of like cheering for the game with my dad. He brought peanuts like in, in in the shell. Yes. <laughs> you know? and peanuts and cracker jacks. It was just like eight to two. You know. Seven to two. Is he, is he a Nats fan? Yeah, he loves baseball. Good. He loves baseball. I mean, that was the only sport when he was growing up. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys ready for a commercial? Yes. Yeah. Right. I'll uh, I'll do my usual intro. Right. Time, time, for just a second, guys. Nationals won. They won. You're kidding me. Yeah, holy crap. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo! Oh, my all right. God. Yes. So crazy. Dancing wins it all, guys. Okay. Sorry. Holy Thanks. Crap. Back to the back to the pod. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. So happy for Scherzer, too. Yeah. I know. Oh. Because it's beast. Amazing. Dog and... In Strasbourg, you know. Oh, Strasbourg was the man. He crushed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Wow. Oh.